welcome to the podcast guys i am sachit i'm suraj and i'm mahir this is lights out and away we go welcome to lights out everybody today we're going to be talking about the portuguese grand prix which took over the last weekend it was the first time that formula 1 raced at the algarve circuit in portimao In our last episode I said that the circuit is a bit of a roller coaster because of its undulating nature and boy was this weekend a roller coaster for us fans I think it's fair to start with free practice The first runner of the day was Carlos Sainz and he reported the circuit to feel like Tokyo drift What were your highlights of free practice boys It was I think that was cool that was really cool to see what you know even the drivers really enjoying the circuit and how they kept saying that there's so many blind corners and they're taking at these taking those corners at these ridiculous speeds and I think another really interesting point was Pirelli they were doing this you know they were testing some new prototypes of some tires and just to spice things up like they they kept that this weekend and it gave even lesser time uh, for the teams to actually get some meaningful data So that was pretty cool. It led to a bit of a mixed race which we'll come to in a bit. And well, what can I say? Free practice king Valtteri Bottas FP1, FP2, FP3, Q1, Q2, he was on top. Uh it looked like, you know, and my expectation was this guy is going to get him. He's going to get Lewis. He's building some good momentum from Russia as well. And lo and behold, Q3 in the race is where Lewis delivered. So um we've seen it happen quite a few times this year, I guess. Um But yeah, I guess that that's that was my take on free practice. I think something cool that F1 did this weekend was that they monitored track limits really closely. So in free practice 1, we saw that all the drivers collectively infringing turn 4 a total of 65 times in just one practice session. When I saw that figure, I was just like, wow. It, that that in itself just illustrated how good mixing things up in formula 1 is like the effect of having a completely new circuit for the drivers to acclimatize to yep in fact if uh, one looks at the timing charts one would conclude that it was a different day but same old stuff so botas dominating almost all the sessions except the q3 and the race itself but it was a, a real fun few practice sessions because it was the first time all of us have ever seen formula 1 race on this track and the fact that pirelli has decided to mix things up with changing the uh, the composition of the tire compounds the drivers were really struggling to find grip the the weather conditions were really cold and the tires were just not uh, coming up to temperature and offering the grip that the drivers wanted and uh, all this misery was compounded by the fact that this circuit has some real real fast corners and uh, there are lots and lots of undulations so while the cars you know go over the hill and are coming down there are lots of uh, negative g's that the drivers are experiencing and the lack of grip really makes the wheel spin and the drivers lose grip so this was a real nice takeaway from what we were up for uh, from the rest of the weekend during the practice sessions yeah just i just had one more thing to add like usually we see some of the feeder series participate on the same weekend right we've got formula 2 formula 3 like lot of events taking place on the same weekend and what happens is you know the more the cars go around the circuit the better the grip becomes because you know the circuit gets more rubbered in but this weekend like there was none of that so like not only was the tarmac really new and the asphalt really new but there were no other 
events happening at the same time that could kind of increase the grip levels and it just led to these i mean it was crazy there were so many spins and like suraj mentioned so many guys exceeding track limits because they just weren't able to keep it on track yeah another thing was that drain cover flying off because of which quali was delayed by half an hour i think uh now coming to quali on q1 the man himself mr saturday showed up again on the buzzer george russell getting himself into q2 i think for the eighth time this season and i think he's really oh, yeah. fighting for that williams seat uh which un- is under speculation uh, george russell is definitely one of the guys who deserves a seat next season he's been he's been ridiculous in qualifying he's he's the champion of saturday i mean he's what 33 and 0 khabib nurmagomedov would be proud of that record <laughs> um, yeah it's just a shame that uh, seats depend so much on how much sponsorship a driver can bring to the team and george russell obviously being as young as he is doesn't really have the financial backing that um, you know the likes of maybe sergio perez or nico hulkenberg do so it's 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 a shame to see his william seat in danger yeah i i think a lot of people would be really disappointed if he you know just like esteban ocon because Ocon was superb as well and he he basically wasted one year sitting as a reserve driver so um yeah i would be really disappointing to see russell out and another takeaway from qualifying like another bit of a surprise was not really a surprise actually he's been delivering but pierre gasly i mean again and again the guy puts arguably the seventh fastest car into q3 he's just delivering on another level the surprising thing about that was the previous day or e- either that or on friday his car got on fire like he stepped out of the car and it was absolutely on fire and the flag got and, and the session got red flagged so to from there to coming i think p7 or p8 i think he was either p9 or p8 i can't be sure but yeah he made it yeah i think p, yeah I p9 it was just unbelievable like he's he's been mr consistent i think for this season that could be his name unbelievable yeah and if it weren't for all that red bull saga that's gone on over the last one and a half years i think he would easily be getting that red bull seat back from alex albon but i think it's just below um christian horner's and marco helmet's dignity to take him back and i i honestly hope that he gets a better drive man he he needs to get out of that red bull program what do you think mahar yeah i i think there are a few rumors in fact we i think we're going to have this this so much to talk about this we'll probably have an entire episode dedicated to this like there's a lot of rumors going around about gasly you know he's told the red bull guys that i just don't want to be here anymore so i think he's kind of taken your advice such as i think he wants out and there's a rumor that he's he's going to go to renault uh but yeah i think i think the so stay tuned guys i guess i mean that's there's another episode coming up i guess where we would be talking about all of this okay so i started the episode talking about roller coasters and i think it's time to talk about the roller coaster of a race that we had i think it's fair to start oh, from yes. the beginning uh i think because we have an iceman fan among us we need to talk about kimi raikkonen how good was that start Oh my god oh my god what was that start what he was p16 on the grid and he was 17 p17 heading into the first corner the guy by the time he returned to the first corner in the second lap was p6 i was i was baffled and having seen the onboard uh, much later 
I I don't know how he managed it, man. I truly don't because he was break tested on probably two or three corners. There was so little grip, but the man was just flying. It's just a shame that he couldn't really uh, convert it to points. I really, he was P10 for a really really long time, but it's a shame he got over he got overtook by probably the slowest guy on the grid <laughs> this year. <laughs> <laughs> such so, uh, a just uh, just another thing which i saw apparently kimi after the race like when he was asked about his start he was like i don't know what the others were doing like he was kind oh. of like what, what's what's happening around yeah. him and um apparently max as well in the in the post race uh, press conference he was like you know it was it was really tricky and he was giving the generic stuff about you know tires won't up to temperature but then he flashed a smile and he was like i saw kimi behind me and i was like wait what's happening like he yeah. thought he was <laughs> he thought he was way down the order and then he realized no kimi's just made that many positions up so yeah. um, alton senna's start at donington in 93 is supposed to be or famously said to be f1's best start but i think kimi has made a big argument for his start to be regarded the best I think I'd still give that to Senna because if you watch that he was making I think overtaking like proper overtaking moves whereas Kimi no doubt I think he was awesome but he also benefited from like people running wide and all of that stuff Senna's was like for the lead I think he went from 6 to 1st in the matter of no time Oh talking from 6 to 1st how about Carlos Sainz Smooth <laughs> operator <laughs> The guy has <laughs> one hell of a start too, didn't he? Didn't he? I think by turn six he was P one and probably led for the rest of the first uh, first lap. Got overtaken on the on the start finish straight, but I, I don't even know. I think he probably was on the lead for a couple of laps, and I, I was I, I really thought we were up for another cracker of a race where you know, we have a very rogue podium, but unfortunately. didn't happen in fact right at the start of the race they even mentioned that there was supposed to be some rain and how how often have we seen that guys it's probably happened for the third time this season where we've been told about rain but it's never materialized haven't really had a rain race this this season yet yeah i think i think you know honestly i've started to think that it's got to be something scientific or there has to be some sort of an explanation like maybe these cars I don't know like uh, the whatever you know output of these cars is it like some hot air gets generated I don't know I mean I don't even know what I'm talking about exactly but maybe it's something to do with the way F1 operates at the circuit that kind of causes the rain to just go away so it's unfortunate I mean it, we we saw like even a little bit of rain like just a few rain drops in the beginning was enough to cause all that chaos and signs getting into the lead and McLaren looking really strong I think even Norris made up a lot of places So that was fantastic, and it's just—I don't know. I think we're going to some really dry places now in the next few next few races. So I think our hopes for a wet race this season are pretty much covered. Something else I think we learned from Science's ascent and then descent down the grid was just which tire was the best for the race. Finally, I think we learned that. So I think the mediums obviously didn't start out well, uh, which is why Bottas and Lewis lost out initially. but i think thereafter the medium tires just excelled for whoever had them and you could see that lewis bottas and leclerc all had mediums and all had unbelievable races yeah you yeah. know talking about leclerc my goodness have uh, ferrari picked up the pace or i mean even if ferrari haven't leclerc what what the hell was that p4 
I mean, he is outperforming that car left, right, and center, and Vettel just cannot keep up with him. In fact, the guy even mentioned, I think, in yeah. the yeah. yeah. that the the two drivers, the two of them, are in two different leagues altogether, and I think it's only fair to agree with them. I remember in Austria, the first race of the season during free practice, out of all the Ferrari-powered cars, the far the Ferrari themselves were the worst amongst the pack. Right, even the Alfa Romeo were faster than them. So now to make that progress across the season, although they've had a bad start, I think is commendable and all credits to Leclerc to get the maximum out of that expensive tractor, as we've called it in a past episode. <laughs> yeah, that comparison always gets me. But I think I think I've you know I did a bit of reading on this, and I just wanted to see, like you know, I wanted to see what Sebastian's been saying. So I think you rightly mentioned that you know, as of now, he's he's a really humble guy. He's obviously very competitive, but it was classy of him to admit that you know they're in a different league right now. But another thing which I found really interesting, I actually came across this you know not too long before the recording, was he says that he just doesn't feel close or he doesn't have that trust in the team. He literally said that he trusts his inner circle of four people, which is arguably I think just his race engineer, probably one technician, and I think his media manager. So it's a really sad state of affairs because. Sachit, I think in the last episode, rightly pointed out, it's a huge, huge team effort to perform well. And if you have that much of a breakdown in the relationship within the team, it leads to like situations like these, where he's. It clearly looks like he just wants to get out of that seat as soon as he can. He just looks lost there, and it's re- it's really sad because these last few years, I really enjoyed hearing all his um, grazi ragazis, and I was hoping for one last one this year, but uh, yeah, uh, doesn't, like doesn't look like it's happening. Yeah, we but we all do want to see Hulkenberg in that Ferrari seat for maybe four or five races, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just kidding, just kidding. I, I honestly want Vettel to do well before leaving. And uh, yeah, you're right about the team team aspect, especially in Ferrari. It's always been an issue, and I think it's only exemplified this time because they're they're really notorious for you know sidelining a driver and. Know, making the atmosphere not conducive for him. I think this is probably one extreme of that aspect of being a Ferrari driver. Yeah. Um, guys, I just realized, I just realized th- we've just missed out on, I, and I, I think it's very indicative as well, you know, in the fan mindset, how it is these days. We've completely missed out on Lewis Hamilton breaking the record. Second, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone really cared too much about it because we all knew it was coming. And also, he was so dominant. Like, 25 seconds is like a slap in Bottas's face because same machinery, no problems for Bottas. Wow, that was that was super dominant. And wait, just before I finish, Alex Albon was lapped by Max Verstappen in this. So, uh, I just wanted to make one point about Lewis. Um, I think... On Sunday, he showed off just how good his tyre management was. I think we've seen it before in Mugello as well, where in the middle of the race, Botas will start complaining about vibrations, about the fact that he's losing grip. But Lewis will say it's all good. And even 40 laps into the race, Lewis said, it's all good, Bono. I can go on for a couple of laps. But he had to pit because Valtteri was losing grip. And clearly, you could see that in the lost pace. So just hats off to Lewis for how good he can manage those tyres. Yeah, just a just a small thing though. Uh, Lewis, he's a, he's a conflicting man, isn't he? Because sometimes he's complaining about the tires, and he's banging in fastest lap after fastest lap. So, yeah. 
Oh wow, he's a, he's a confusing man to understand sometimes. But I I think uh, sorry if I'm going on too long. Just one last thing to add about this entire Mercedes uh, saga this weekend. I just thought of it, and Bottas seems to be like the perfect sparring partner, doesn't he? He's 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 good enough, like in boxing terms, he's good enough to train alongside Lewis and improve improve Lewis, you know, before it really matters. But when it matters, he's not the guy who's going to face Lewis in the ring. He just doesn't look like he's going to be the sort of guy who would give us a title fight to remember. Yeah, yeah, I think the phrase that sums the guy up is "come at the hour, go at the man." <laughs> <laughs> hey, and how how about? Uh, I think we have to mention um, Sergio Perez. What what a driver the guy is. Yep. So I think in the beginning of the race, yep. he got he touched with Max Verstappen, and he was pushed out of the of of the track essentially, and he had to make his way back after pitting because of damage. And towards the end of the race, you're seeing him in P5 defending Gasly. Uh, it was unreal. Uh, something I, on a related note, something that made the race really cool for me was just how much the circuit varied as the race went on. In the first half of the race, you saw the start-finish rate being really effective for overtakes, and we saw driver after driver performing overtakes over there. But in the second half of the race, it was just not happening. You saw Gasly trying time again to get past Sergio, didn't happen. You saw Lance struggling to get past Lando, which finally resulted in them tangling. I found this variation in the circuit to be so awesome to watch as a viewer. So yeah, I think it was kind of like a tale of two halves because there was a lot of chaos in the first few laps, a lot of shuffling of positions happening, and towards the end, to be honest, it was pretty much straightforward. We didn't see too many overtakes happening, but I think one really cool thing this race, uh, which we saw, was the wheel-to-wheel battles. I think we saw. Carlos and Kimi have a really nice battle. I think from turn one all the way up to two, three, or four or something, and it's really cool when two cars can go side by side. You know, you have a switcheroo happening and all of that going on, and you—it's only after a few corners where you really see one person finish the move off. And Kimi really showed his uh, class there. I think he's one of the cleanest drivers on the grid, maybe alongside Lewis. You know, always leaves enough space. And uh-huh. I think that- I think I think we have a say or two about that. <laughs> Brazil 2019, maybe Austria 2020. Monaco 2016. Ah, <laughs> well, the, the, he's had he's had a long career, but I think if you listen to Mark Webber and some of these other guys on the grid, one of the first things they'll tell you is he's 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 still one of the guys who will at least leave you a bit of space. But yeah, he's he, he can be touchy at times. I I won't I don't doubt that. Um, yeah. And I think even Perez and Ocon, like they're you know they were huge rivals back in Force India. Like they had a lot of clashes, a lot of times they you know made contact and ruined each other's races. And it was really cool to see them as well go head to head. I think similar. I think turn one, we also learned this week that turn one, just like in Mugello, was a was a proper overtaking point. You get that you know huge boost from DRS and it's a heavy breaking point. So you know there were a lot of people yeah. doubting if. if It's They a lot were. like Hockenheim turn one, right? Cars are yeah, normal. exactly. A yeah. fast, you know, kind of slightly downhill right-hander, so similar. Uh, um, so, who was the driver of the day for you guys? Um, for me, I don't know. I I put in some thought to it, but I I couldn't think of anyone better than Perez, even though he ended up losing two positions on the final lap. And I would probably attribute that to the lack of grip he was. Getting from his tires, but yeah, he he gets it for me. Perez for me. 
Um, I think it's a tough one. I had to choose between either Leclerc or Gasly, and ultimately, I think Leclerc simply because he was able to pull away and kind of have a race of his own, which is really impressive. Like the fact that he was able to open up a gap to the midfield behind and be relatively comfortable. I think also combined with his overall performance during the weekend, would I'd probably say Charles Leclerc. He had a really really good weekend. So my driver of the day is Pierre Gasly. I think not only because he got P5 at the end, but look at how well he's doing compared to Kvyat in an in an equivalent car, and also compared to Albon, who's in the superior car in the Red Bull family. He absolutely demolished Albon in this race, and was very close to Verstappen. I think um, just absolutely consistent this season, and he's only one point behind Albon in the drivers' championship. So just another amazing weekend for Pierre. Well, I think that pretty much concludes our review for the Portuguese Grand Prix this weekend. Um, all in all, it was really nice once again to see F1 go to a new circuit. Gave us so much to talk about, and the best part is there's not much of a wait till the next race. I think Imola is coming up. It's a back-to-back, so Imola is coming up immediately the next weekend. As always, guys, it was really fun recording this, um, and yeah, here's to many more. And before we end today's show. I'd also like to add that our podcast is now live and available on several listening platforms. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts, just to name a few of them. So, no matter what platform you're listening to this on, do follow the podcast so that you can stay up to date with all of our latest content, and also leave behind a review or give us some honest feedback so that we know how we're doing. All right, I think that's it for today's episode. and we'll see you next time on lights out and before we end today's show i'd also like to add that our podcast is now live and available on several listening platforms we can be found on spotify apple podcasts or even google podcasts just to name a few of them so no matter what platform you're listening to this on do follow the podcast so that you can stay up to date with all of our latest content and also leave behind a review or give us some honest feedback so that we know how we're doing all right i think that's it for today's episode and we'll see you next time on lights out <laughs>